in God's holy word to the book of Romans. Um, chapter 1, our text today is verses 16 and 17, but I want us to go back and read uh, from verse 1, and I want you to notice the references as we read to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear now the word of the living God. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I served with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. For I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. Father, we beg that you would teach us about your gospel today. We beg that you would press your gospel afresh upon our hearts, we who love the name of Jesus, and that, Lord, if there be any listening this day who are apart from your gospel, who have not heard your sweet voice calling them that, Lord, you would speak and call the dead to life. Revive our hearts 
Lord, who do love you. Because, Lord, left to ourselves, we would turn away from you unless you keep us by your grace. And how we praise you that you have promised that your sheep will continue to follow you because you keep us. You are the good shepherd. And so, Lord, come and feed us the gospel this day. In Jesus we pray. Amen. What is the gospel? Well, it is the good news. And we're going to look at just a few passages of Scripture. Turn with me, first of all, to Mark chapter 1. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Uh, we need to clearly understand what the gospel is. And so we're just going to look at a few passages of Scripture that describe for us the gospel. In Mark chapter 1, in verse 1, we read the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The gospel, the good news, is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, who he is, and what he came to do. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. He is the Son of God. He is the eternal Son of God who forever was one with the Father and the Spirit and in the fullness of time came and took on human flesh. On over in Mark chapter 1, we see more information about this gospel. In verse 14, now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Not only is Jesus the subject of the gospel, but Jesus is the one who proclaims the gospel. And what is the gospel? It is truth about Jesus. It is the revelation of Almighty God about His Son. Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of God, verse 15, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so the gospel message is repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel message is the king has come at the bidding of God the Father to reclaim what rightly was his all along, but has now been wrongly, wickedly captured by the evil one. And when Jesus came, the king had come, and his kingdom was breaking in. And the tool that God uses to retake what is rightly his is the gospel of Jesus and Jesus is the one wielding that message of life and hope and peace. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
The gospel is as simple and pointed as John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the good news. The gospel is about Jesus. If you'll turn back to the book of Romans, we see in chapter 1 already uh, several things about this glorious message that we've seen in chapter 1. We see, first of all, in verse 1, it is the gospel of God. God Almighty is the one who planned and purchased this work of redemption and reveals it in his holy word all about Jesus who came in the fullness of time set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets the whole of the Bible points to Jesus Christ the whole of scripture focuses on the person and work of Jesus Jesus himself declared that truth when he was walking with the disciples the morning uh, uh, that he had been raised from the dead earlier and now it's evening time and they're walking along and as they were talking he began to open up the scriptures and beginning with Moses and all the prophets Jesus revealed to them the things concerning himself, Luke 24 tells us. Or we could go over to 1 Peter, and we could read about how the prophets of old were eaten up with curiosity as they wrote about the person of Messiah, that he would come. They were eaten up with curiosity who is he going to be and when is he going to come? The person in time, they could not get over. That was what captivated their hearts. We see down in verse 9, For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. And so, already in Romans chapter 1, we have learned much about this good news. It's about Jesus, the Son of God, who came to rescue. It is described in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, the gospel of the grace of God. Grace, a gift. The message, the good news is that we are not saved by earning our way to heaven but God has given a gift grace we could go over to Revelation chapter 14 verse 6 and we see in that passage the gospel is referred to as the eternal gospel it is the message that has always been the way that People could be right with God. Ever since Adam and Eve fell, 
in the garden on that day that they rebelled eating the forbidden fruit. God comes and proclaims the gospel that in the fullness of time, the seed of the woman would come who would crush the serpent's head. And this is the only gospel as we read in our call to worship in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and following. And the Apostle Paul tells these Christians in Galatia, in that region, that if anybody would show up, either men who had proclaimed the apostolic gospel or an angel from heaven, if anybody comes and preaches a gospel contrary to the apostolic gospel revealed by our Lord Jesus Christ and recorded in Holy Scripture, he is worthy of eternal damnation. The word accursed there doesn't just mean you're having a bad hair day. It is that God's judgment for eternity would be rightly upon that person. In Jude chapter 1, you with me? Jude only has one chapter. Just seeing if you are awake. Verse 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. What do Christians believe? We believe the gospel, and what is that gospel? It is all about Jesus, but it is also everything that God has said about his son and who we are and what is right and wrong and all of life. I want you to notice verse 3. God says it is the responsibility of his people to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. There are people who want to distort the gospel. And what is the gospel? It is about Jesus delivering us from sin. And from the wrath to come. Over in the book of 1 Timothy. If you'll turn there with me. 1 Timothy chapter 1. We read in verse 3 and following. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia. Remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine not to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love. The goal of our instruction, uh, the Apostle Paul says, here is what all true gospel preachers are 
trying to achieve. The goal of our instruction is what? Love. That we would love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. And notice he goes on that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. These three things are necessary to take place in the heart of a person so that we can love God and will love God and want to love God and will love our neighbor as ourselves and want to love our neighbor as ourselves. We need a pure heart and only God reaching his hand down from heaven can take out our heart of stone that is corrupt and vile and full of rebellion against the living God and give us a heart that is alive, that trusts in Jesus. Only God can cleanse our conscience by the blood of Jesus from dead works to serve the living God. Only God can save. Only God can give us a pure heart. Only God can give us a clean conscience. Only God can give us a sincere faith. And he calls us to repent and believe in Jesus. And as we are going to see in our text, as we go on in 1 Timothy, what we believe is, yes, focusing on Jesus Christ, but it is also everything that God says in his word. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now, we know that the law is good, if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers of men, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. And so you'll notice in verse 11 that the gospel, it does focus on the person and work of Jesus Christ, but it also includes everything that God has said in his word, including his law. And there are many people in our day and time that pit the law of God against the gospel. And yes, they are distinct things in the sense if you are defining gospel as believing in Jesus, but in this passage, that message of salvation and hope and life in Jesus also includes helping people understand God's standard of right and wrong. Why do we want to believe in Jesus? Why do we sense and see our need 
of the Savior. It is only when we see that we are sinners, fallen in Adam, that I have broken every one of God's holy commandments, and left to myself I have no hope. As we read in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, all of my righteous deeds are as filthy rags in God's sight. All of my righteous deeds. <laughs> now, that's a shocking verse to think about. He doesn't just say that all of my sin is as filthy rags in God's sight. I understand that. But when you think about that verse, it is a stunning verse because that verse says that the best that I can produce left of myself is as dirty, stinking rags in God's sight. I'll never forget uh, when I was just about to get married, I thought, you know, Henry, you know what this means. This means that if your wife gets sick and throws up, you're going to have to clean up her throw up. And, and I thought, whoo, you know, because I was one of those kids in grade school that when somebody else threw up on the other side of the room, that was it. I, I was gone, you know. Whoo. And, and then the fateful day came, not when my wife threw up, but we had four children at that time. And they just fell like dominoes. Within an hour, there were four people sick. And my arms were not long enough. And you know, the towels, we were starting to run out of towels to clean things up. And I thought about this verse. Because the filthy rags that are described here are even far worse than a towel full of throw-up. And that's the best that I can give to the living God. That's how he views the best that I can give. Back to our text now in Romans. And so the Lord tells us, the Apostle Paul's testimony, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We live in a day and an age where there's many people ashamed of the gospel. We live in a culture where the gospel is no longer allowed in the public square. Try standing up in a courtroom and talk about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Try standing up in the legislative bodies of our country and start quoting passages of Scripture and see what happens. Uh, you see it just in the testimony of, of um, sports athletes. Uh, the quarterback this past week uh, who was giving praise to the Lord Jesus Christ and the major news media uh, uh, quickly cut because uh, he was starting to speak vile things in this culture. He was talking of Jesus. He was giving praise and thanks to Jesus. 
You haven't heard much about the pro-life rally in Washington, D.C. in the national media, have you? It's because men like Jim Harbaugh, who spoke at that rally, talked about the unspeakable. He talked about Jesus. He talked about how God Almighty is the giver of life. But the Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the heart of the message, the person and work of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the bloody death of Jesus upon a Roman cross. I'm not ashamed of the glorious truth that on the third day, a dead man came alive and came out of that tomb. I'm not ashamed of the virgin birth that a woman who had never slept with a man conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed of the blood substitutionary atonement of the Son of God dying upon the cross to pay for the guilt of the sin of God's people. I'm not ashamed. I don't blush. I don't shrink back from saying this is the truth. I'm not ashamed of God's standard of right and wrong. I'm not ashamed of what God says about how we got here. That God Almighty spoke the world into being out of nothing just a little over 6,000 years ago. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You can scoff, you can mock, you can persecute, but I will take my stand upon the word of God. I'm not ashamed of what God says about marriage, that it's between a man, a male, a husband, and a wife, a woman, a female. I'm not ashamed that God has revealed he made mankind in two genders corresponding to their anatomies. God Almighty has revealed these glorious truths. And I am not ashamed of the gospel, the Apostle Paul says. And by the grace of God, we also take our stand. I'm not ashamed that our first parents, Adam and Eve, were literal people. The first man made of the dust of the earth. And then God put him to sleep and Eve was made from Adam's side. And then he woke them up and performed the first marriage. I'm not ashamed of the truth of the gospel. That God gave them obligations to do what was right in God's sight. And as our first parents, when they rebelled against God, embracing the lies of Satan, they fell. And when Adam sinned, we fell in him. And the message of the Bible is that in the fullness of time, God gave his son to be the Redeemer. And that message of life and hope includes the Ten Commandments. It includes God's standard of right and wrong. We are not ashamed of the gospel. Well, why? And look at our text. 
For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. This Jesus who came in the fullness of time, he perfectly obeyed all of the commandments of God. And as the spotless lamb of God, he laid down his life on the tree, on the cross. And he did not die for his own sins, for he had none. But he died as our substitute. And this gospel is God's power. The word power there has the idea of not only the adequate force to do anything God wants to do, but also the authority to wield that power. And the gospel, this message, this truth, the word of God focusing on the person and work of Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation. What is salvation? It's being made right with God. It is that our sin is taken away and placed upon Jesus, and he bears our sin. He takes the guilt away from us. We are justified the second we believe in Jesus. Salvation is being reconciled to the living God. It is not only to be justified, but to be adopted in Jesus Christ and then to be sanctified, to be changed. Not only is the righteousness of God imputed to us, and that's a very important word, the imputation of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And imputation has to do with, you can think about, a bank account. And this bank account is totally empty. Not only is it totally empty, but we're in debt up to our eyeballs. And when Jesus' righteousness is imputed to us, all of the wealth of his obedience and his sacrifice is credited to our account. The second we believe in Jesus, so that not only does God put us back to zero, and that would be sweet, but when we believe in Jesus, all of the riches of Jesus' obedience, his sacrifice on the cross pays for our debt, and his obedience is credited to our account so that when the Father looks at us now, he sees the perfect obedience and sacrifice of his Son. That's how we are made right with God. And the gospel is the power of God unto. It's the weapon God uses to make us right with him again, to deliver us from the realm of darkness, to attach us again as his friends and his servants, but even more than that, his own beloved adopted children. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and notice, it is to everyone who believes. The tool that God uses to join us to his son, to make us right, is faith. And what is faith? 
Faith is not only intellectually agreeing with the truth of the gospel, of who Jesus is, that he died on the cross, but it is us receiving and resting upon Jesus alone for making us right with the living God. We not only agree these are facts that are right, but we say, I need this Jesus. And not only do we say, it's true, and I need it, but I am laying hold of Jesus. It is us receiving and resting upon Jesus alone to make us right. God gives us salvation through faith to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus came, and where was he born? In Bethlehem. And he spent his entire time there in the land of Israel. He came to the Jew first, but after he was raised from the dead, then the floodgates were opened up. And now the gospel is going to the very ends of the earth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And why is this gospel so powerful to salvation? Verse 17, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. God's righteous standard of right and wrong is proclaimed and God's righteous justice is satisfied in the work of Jesus. And we are made right with God legally and in practice. Not only is the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ imputed to us, but now the righteousness of Jesus is being imparted, is being infused into our very lives. And those who say that they are trusting in Jesus but continue to live in rebellion against God and have no heart, desire to walk with Jesus and follow him are living a lie. We're not saved by our works. But those who have true faith in Jesus indeed yearn and desire to please the Lamb who bought us with his lifeblood. And so in our own hearts, uh, we want to follow Jesus. Uh, we want to think the way he wants us to think. We want our attitudes to reflect his glory. We want our definitions of right and wrong, of what marriage is and what uh, the gospel is uh, to be from Holy Scripture, uh, to be God's definition of gender and God's definition uh, of, of how to express your sexuality and God's definition of what it looks like uh, to be a man or a woman, a husband, a wife, parents, children. Uh, we want to follow Jesus. And this righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Uh, we will never outgrow needing Jesus. We will never outgrow uh, our life being joined to Jesus Christ. 
For in it the righteousness of God. And you see the root word of righteousness. That's a big old long word. What is righteousness? Right. (laughs) It's being right. It's doing right. And only Jesus can make us righteous. Only Jesus can declare us righteous. And as we're going to see in the book of Romans, that's what justification is. But it doesn't stop there. Those who are justified are also being sanctified. And Jesus is not only declaring us righteous, but underneath his righteous robes, he takes this big brush. You see this brush? Oh, it's got some strong bristles. Strong bristles. And he reaches underneath the righteous robes of Jesus His perfect righteousness that covers us. And Jesus is brushing our hearts and our minds and our lives and our eyes and our hands and all aspects of our life growing us more and more and more to be like Jesus. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, The just or the righteous shall live by faith. And here we have a quote from one of the Old Testament books, the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk. And Habakkuk uh, in chapter uh, 2 revealed this glorious truth that the just shall live by faith. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the message of the Bible. And as we are going to see over and over and over in our journey through the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul is going to constantly, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, be bringing forth Old Testament passages to say, see here, this is the way it's always been. And so how were God's people made right with God in the Old Testament time? Faith in the Christ, who would come from the Old Testament perspective. How are we made right with God? Faith in the Christ who has come and is coming again. That is how we live. That's our life. The life of the Christian is from faith to faith. We begin believing in Jesus. We live each day believing in Jesus. We repent of our sins and turn to Jesus when we became a Christian. And every day of the Christian life is what? Turning our back on the world, repenting, saying, I don't want to live against God. I don't want to break his holy commandments. I don't want to think and live like a barbarian. I don't want to live like a pagan because Jesus bought me with his precious blood. And I am his and he is mine forever and ever. And my life and my joy is to follow Jesus, to live for Jesus, to be a tool in Jesus' hand, to stand for him in my own heart, in bearing more of the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. That's what the gospel does. When we're joined to Jesus, he makes us a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And all of these things are from God who is saving us, who has saved us, who is saving us, who will save us. Oh, what a glorious God we have. Don't you love Jesus? Don't you love the gospel? How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ears. Oh, John Newton had it right. When he wrote that old hymn, he's just standing back and saying, Woo-wee, what a Savior. Jesus is marvelous. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He is saying God's Word is precious to me. The living Word of God and the written Word of God. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Are you ashamed of the gospel? If you belong to Jesus, our testimony is the same as the Apostle Paul. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so may God stir us up this day to have this as our renewed testimony, child of God. May God bless each of you to love Jesus and to say with the Apostle Paul and beg that Jesus will help us live that this week, to not be ashamed of his gospel, to cling to Jesus, to keep clinging to Jesus, to turn our back on the world, to keep turning our back on sin, to say, Lord, I don't want to talk in an ugly way to my husband or my wife because my mouth belongs to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I want to speak to my brother and my sister uh, uh, words that encourage them to love Jesus because, uh, Lord, you put me here in this family to be your servant, to be a blessing to my brother, to my sister. Lord, you are the one who put me in this situation in the workplace. Lord, you've given me this school assignment to do, and I'm going to do it for your praise. Even if nobody else is around watching, Lord, I am yours, and you are mine. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live, how? By faith. Amen. Let's pray. Father, write this upon my heart and the hearts of your precious lambs. O Lord God, how we thank you for the gospel. Lord Jesus, you are the gospel and your word, the Holy Scriptures, all you have said is sweet to us. It's 
part of your gospel. And Lord, we can't save ourselves. And so we look to you, O Lamb of God, to be our righteousness. Lord, you're the only one who can make us right by justifying us. And how we thank you that the second we believed in you, you declare us righteous. Oh Lord, thank you that you also are a God who is changing us, transforming us to be those who stand for you and live for you and show your holiness and your mercy and your kindness to the people around us. Grow us to be more pleasing to you in every facet of our lives. You are worthy, O Lamb of God. Bless now as we sing praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen.